Hello, and welcome to From the String, Violin Everything with Elizabeth and Michael. Hello, this is episode one of season one. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Michael. I noticed that you really eat the mic after you told me I shouldn't eat the mic. I'm not sure what you mean by that. I mean, you were like really on it. You were this close to the mic. I think I was more like this. I just use more of a sing-songy, angelic voice when I talk. No, no, you're just like really hunched over the mic and like speaking right into it like you're shouting. I think we're going to have to agree to disagree. Now that we've covered Michael's shoddy microphone technique, um, I would like to kind of dig into our first real violin topic here on Violin Everything. Um, So I have what I call Elizabeth's five tenets of violin teaching or performing. And so for the first five podcasts, I'm going to go through each one. So number one is foundational technique. So I feel very, very passionately about foundational technique. It's probably basically the most important thing I teach over and over and over again. And probably after Ellie, it's like number two in my whole life. It goes like Ellie, foundational technique, other people. (laughs) So um, basically from the very beginning, the kids need to have a beautiful um, setup. So before we start, let's talk about what technique is, because I actually hate that word. And if I could, if I could like erase it from like language, I would, because I think everyone uses it so differently and nobody really even understands what it is. And I have had 15 year olds come into my studio and they have their violins in their ear and they have the bow like in their toe. And they're like, I'm like, why are you holding the bow with your toe? And the mom is like, well, his last teacher was mainly focused on technique. And I'm like, "Mm, that does not track. So what is technique? Well, I guess we can use it to describe all kinds of things. When I use the word technique, I mean everything set up. So unless you describe the word technique, I don't think it means anything. I think it just means like fluff fluff of butter fluff of butter. Like you could say like foundational fluff of butter or left hand fluff of butter. So why does your son hold the bow with his toe? Because my last teacher focused so much on fluff or butter. Okay. That's basically what it means. It means nothing. So foundational technique on the violin is number one, our most beautiful posture. So how are we actually standing our feet, our tummy, which muscles are involved, how are our shoulders, is everything in the right place, and relaxed. I also don't like the word relaxed, but for lack of a better word for now, I'm going to use the word relaxed. Then, um, it leads down to the shoulders. Are the shoulders relaxed? Tummy, feet. Then it goes out to the arms. So um, how is the right arm? 
Is it relaxed? Shoulder, upper arm, elbow. How is everything working? How is our bow hold? How are you actually holding the bow? And then, of course, the left arm. So how is the left arm working? Is um, the left arm squeezed forward? Is our neck forward? Is our neck back? Are we squeezing the neck with our thumb? Blah, blah, blah. So all of those things are, are the foundational technique. So basically, I don't think that anything can happen violinistically, musically, or anything until the foundation, foundational technique is in place. So with my little ones, I don't have very many anymore. Um, I have mostly um, teenagers now, but um, with little ones, it's so important that no teacher underestimates a child and that you can really, really go for it and have beautiful foundational technique all the time. So that is, that is my main thing. When 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 teachers start children and they sort of let them get away with things, uh, what happens is that that just builds really bad habits and it's much harder to teach later. And everything comes from foundational technique that's solid, like vibrato, like shifting, like doing all kinds of both things. All of that is really wonderful, but you can't do it unless you really, really have a great setup to start with. So um, number one philosophy of Elizabeth foundational setup, beautiful, relaxed from day one. When people come to me later, I often go back and we do what I call rehabbing. So we go back, we look at the technique, we look at the bow, we look at everything. We make everything as gorgeous as possible. So I think that's that's it on the technique, but that is number one and number two in my life. So go out there, stand up, look at your posture, relax your head, relax your shoulders, have a good bow hold. Peace. Phew! Well, that was a lot of information. Sometimes I can get pretty passionate about these things. Michael, now that you've listened to all of that, would you like to chime in about foundational technique and how it relates to the piano? Well, of course, um, the posture is, is, is paramount with the piano. You have to be sitting correctly at the piano and you have to be holding your arms just so and you ideally should not be hunching over at the piano. When you're young and you're small, this is actually easier. When you get older, this actually becomes more and more of a problem. You just look around at the pages on Instagram, you'll see more and more people looking turtle-like as they get older. But when you're young, this, you should not let that happen. You should, you should have a nice straight back. You should be sitting high enough that your arms are going exactly to the keys. Um, and you should, and you should every, everything should hang nicely from the shoulders. So it is about the posture. It is about the approach to sitting at the keyboard correctly um, and being comfortable and not being like awkward. And yeah, comfortable. Reaching, That's yes. really good. I like that. Yeah. So um, and at the beginning, you know, I, we just want to make like good, solid sounds at the piano. And so I'm really not concerned with dynamics. Oh, I know. Isn't that the worst? Yeah, a lot of people like really obsess about dynamics, but yeah. at the beginning, while the piano is is like quote easy to make like a basic sound, um, it's it's from there it gets hard. So it's much better if you just play everything uh, at a bass line, which I call basically mezzo piano. You know, I I think people have a mistake about what is their basic sound, mm -hmm. and it was something that I had. I guess it was a book that I had when I was really young. And it just said, mezzo piano is your basic sound. And I was like, from then on, that's like informed me. Mm -hmm. That people, I think, tend to think that mezzo forte or even forte is their basic sound mm -hmm. and then try to play less. And yeah, that's a mistake. Yes, yeah, that's I think you should have your bass line lower. Yeah. And then you can add sound 
and then maybe take away a little bit to get to piano rather than like going all these levels down to piano and then your sound sounds weak. Right, and anemic. And that's why we don't teach um, too many dynamics actually until they're pretty advanced because they don't know how to do it yet. Probably right. they kind of fake it. You know, and I hear all these orchestras and programs where they play piano, but it's really just everyone just, what are they like using tiny bows or I, I, don't, right, I don't know. Right. It's not a good soft sound. It's That's not right. like a a new character or a, or a lovely gentle sound. It's more like a faked, like I'm just going to barely, I don't know what Oh it yes. Is. Oh, I know. And I, I've endured that too. I, um, did, I didn't know it was the same on the piano because we, we talk about it a lot here. Yeah. So I'm just curious, do you know, like how does one make like a louder or softer sound at the piano? No, I don't. Do you know? So well, I imagine it has to do with speed of pressing. It is. That is what it is. It's speed. People are like force, but I could sit here on this piano right. and like Boom. mash well, it down. Just, I only know that because I've watched you for twenty years. But I can tell when it's going to be something big because I think your hands come up higher. I come up higher. I've and seen I that. And, yeah, and you and it has a little bit more zip when you yes. go down. That's the only reason well, I know that. And so I play with gravity, and that's because that's the Russian technique is gravity. Uh huh. Um, I know you don't use the Russian technique on violin, but for the piano, totally different. But the piano, the Russian technique is superior. Yes. And so it, it all comes from like a, a picking up that the work is actually done picking up and dropping into the keys, and so also allowing at the end of the stroke to be totally relaxed and free. Mm -hmm. So just like you were talking about on violin, it's all about like finding the freedom, you know, yes. so finding the relaxed point that you can be playing big but still be free. And then they actually, I know you, you aren't, you don't love teaching, but um, do you, when, when you did teach, did you find that everything went easier when they started from this framework? Oh yeah, because That's like, it, actually everyone who came to me, that was why I didn't take them is because I said, oh no, it's going to take me three years to work through this process. Now you've managed to like compress it, so yeah. you don't worry so much about it. Right. And I've seen, like, I had a master's level student who's doing very well. He's a doctorate out in the, in the field. And I fixed him in one semester of college. And it was sort of remarkable. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but it all starts with, I, I sit there at the piano and I make them like drop their, their fingers into the piano over and over and over again. And I can do that with a little kid too. And it's the same thing. But yeah. it's, it's funny because it's like a total unlearning thing for a, like more of an uh. adult person i think with violin it's more of a change like when i change everyone it's more of like a change maybe it's less of an unlearning i'm not sure ah. that's an interesting thing well so right and so but you take them back to easier pieces i do and i think that's a good thing but actually... do we call them easier michael or do we call them sideways oh <laughs> anything about them being easier pieces no, I, I, I don't even use them. I just, I just, I just assign them a, a Bach invention. Well, we don't have those. I know, it's really sad, right? That's, a, that's, a, that's the nice thing whenever you have all these great old composers who like taught and taught yeah. their kids and like learned on this stuff. Yeah, we're, we need more of those actually. We need yeah. more like good book three rep. Right, well, even like, even like good like, right, I guess you're right. Yeah, that, like that, that's what I need. Yeah. I need like books of it. Like right. wonderful, the, the, like that's right. of Anna, Anna Magdalena Notebook is yeah. basically like, would be like book yeah. two or three. So great. Yeah. And actually that's the thing. A lot of those are just <laughs> taken directly from. And I don't like um, Becker. You know, we never do. Oh, right. You never like that one. Right. That's I don't right. like, I only like a couple of book three. So that's what I need. I need someone yeah. who wants to write book three for me. Oh, there you go. There you okay. go. We put out the call to put more. Book Official call to write book three for Elizabeth. <laughs>
Uh, so just to finish what I was saying about like what what makes a loud or soft sound. Interestingly enough, at the piano, to make a prop a proper softer sound, you have to literally press the key in a slower fashion, and you start from about the same place, but you simply drop it slower. That is very hard. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't expect a little kid to do that. Yeah, you that comes control. Like true control comes with a lot of playing. So at the beginning, why just let him play like this nice and solid sounds just all the time? Just as long as the setup is I, right, relaxed, it, relaxed, and does it sound good? And I, the, yeah. the two things about good technique: what is it? Right. It has to look good and feel good. And if it looks good and feels good, then it is good. But if I, one I thing like, is missing, then it's not good. I like the way you also said um, sound good because they're hearing their sound from the right. beginning. Right. That's important. You know, I know pianos are different because you've got to buy one in your house. I mean, with, with the little violins, you know, in particular, just because I want them to have a good sound that they're hearing from the beginning. Right. Because you need that feedback or yeah. else you don't get any of that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope you have enjoyed our technical comments for today. And now we will be moving on to... Okay, we're now going to move to this portion of podcast number one called Frequently Asked Questions or Question and Answer from our loyal viewers. You mean listeners. I do mean listeners. I'm sorry, Michael. It's okay. Just be careful. I, I apologize. That was a... No one can see us. That right was now. a blunder. Okay. If you could see us, though, I am wearing a purple gown by Vera Wang. I'm not even going to comment on that. We know that's a lie. Um, it's purple and it has, it's one shoulder. It has a right shoulder strap and then it kind of poofs out at the bottom. Uh-huh. And my hair is up in a, as a beautiful bun with like, it's been curled and I definitely have makeup on. And you're also definitely on the beach right now. Um, okay, Michael, don't be ridiculous. We're recording our podcast. <laughs> Why would we at the beach? Well, because that could happen at the beach, you know, with Wi-Fi these days. Okay, I apologize. I don't know where Michael's gone off track. Here's the question for today. Dear Elizabeth and Michael, what is your favorite ice cream? Now, this is a hard one. Well, that, that is a toughie. It's a toughie. So, I'm going to start. My favorite kind of ice cream is anything with chocolate. It could be chocolate chunks. It could be chocolate syrup, hot fudge, Nutella, um, chocolate mochi, Anything that's chocolatey flavored, just give it to me and that's it. So you don't even care the brand? If It could be like Borden's ice cream. That's probably good. From like a roadside stand in the middle of nowhere. Well, I wouldn't be in the middle of nowhere, but yes, technically, yes. Well, you did drive to the middle of nowhere when you went to High Fit, so I'll point okay. that out. Okay, well, yes. So if they had ice cream, it would be good. If it, if, were, if chocolate. it were chocolate. Okay. See... To me, that that's just a starting point. You, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta. I keep lists. Mm -hmm. I keep lists of these that's things. That's a little weird. No, no, because life's too short to waste it on bad ice cream. So I keep lists to make sure of what is really good ice cream and what is not really good ice cream. Um, and I have to say, yeah, there's there's some ice creams out there that are just really not worth your time. What are you talking about? Oh, it's truly good. A lot of the, watch out for a lot of like the. 
alternative ice creams like ooh this is like better for you but you know watch out for those a lot of those are just not good they're just not good they're lying to you that wink stuff oh my god i think they went out of business i hope what they the, did. what's wink it was basically frozen water oh i need to eat that oh it was the worst stuff ever it had zero flavor <laughs> It was, I don't mean, I was like, this is an embarrassment. This is an abomination. You're okay. calling it ice cream. So do you carry a journal of ice cream everywhere? That's what everyone wants to Actually, know. I do. Well, it's on my Dropbox. So oh, it's yes. On your Dropbox. So I can pull it up from my phone anytime. That's a little psychotic. So when I go into a store, and I also keep it listed by brand and uh, store name, so that when I'm in a store and someone's like, I don't know what kind of ice cream to get. I'm like, well, what what kind of things do you like? And let's let's go through the you list. You have conversations with strangers in I grocery do. stores. I yes, there was one day when I was actually wearing a crown because it was my Halloween costume, and I <laughs> and I said, well, you come to the right person because I am the king of ice cream, and they listened to me and they took my advice. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of amazing. So, yeah, I, just just a, so, for in summation, mm-hmm. I am creating a new Instagram page. Oh my God. Yeah, it's finally going to like my ice cream obsession okay. is can can come there. Michael, I'm not sure if this is the right platform to be shilling your ice cream page. Well, you never even answered the question. Oh, well, the the short answer. You want the short answer? Well, I mean, you've given the long answer. Well, that would be Ample Hills from Brooklyn ooey gooey butter cake. So that, you know, if I'm like in intensive care at the hospital and they're going to pull the plug and just bring me some of that. I don't think you'd be awake, though. You want me to just pour it in your face? Well, you know, I'll, I'll rally for You'll, that last moment. No, of you're going to be out. Like no, no. if you're if it, I mean, if there's like a pulling of a plug situation, I'll just open your mouth and pour it in, I guess. Well, I would choke on the <laughs> gooey butter cake pieces. Oh, I see. That is a problem. Yeah. So I need to be in a moment of lucidity. Okay. So we wake you up, but you're in great pain, but I tell them to wake you up from your coma. One more time. One more time. And then I f- push it in your face. Yes. And I will definitely eat it. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad that's settled. Yes. This has been episode one of Violin Everything with Elizabeth and Michael. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to next week.